Welcome to Vistas, Episode 2, What of Communication in Cyber Leadership? Vistas is news, views, and insights into the cybersecurity realm, leadership, and entrepreneurship, produced by WebCheck Security. My name is Greg Johnson, and I'm your host. In today's podcast, we examine the tremendously important but often ignored element of cybersecurity personal effectiveness and communication skills. Imagine you're a Chief Information Security Officer or CISO of a large corporation, but you struggle to communicate effectively to the CEO, the board, and your employees. How do you build trust, bring down walls of resistance, and open hearts to build teams, consensus, and become what we'll learn today is rare. We explore that today and more with our host, Doug Stoddard. Vista is sponsored by Vivint Smart Home. If you're looking to have the best in security and home automation, then look no further than Vivint Smart Home. They have the best technology for cameras, doorbells, garage sensors, window sensors, thermostats, and everything you need all in one app. For world-class security and home automation, call Vivint today at 1-800-570-1313. That's right, 1-800-570-1313. Vistas is also honored to be sponsored by Nexus IT, a worry-free, hyper-responsive approach to providing world-class IT support and solutions so leaders can focus on their business. Today's topic, communication in cyber leadership, featuring executive coach Doug Stoddard. Doug is an intrinsic, intrinsic communication life and business coach helping professionals reach their highest potential and performance. Doug has 36 years as an entrepreneur, small business owner, sales development professional, and coach. Please welcome Doug Stoddard. Hello, Doug. Say hello to our listeners. Hey, Greg. It's it's great to be here with you. I'm excited to do this. Thank you. And And I'm so happy to have you on this program today. I think our listeners are in for a real treat. The premise here, Doug, is that uh, Vistas is a podcast primarily about cybersecurity, but also about leadership and entrepreneurship. Today's podcast focuses on the latter two. You can't build a business. You can't be an effective leader without being an effective communicator and many other qualities that we could mention. So, Doug, you're a coach and you are all about uh, being an intrinsic uh, communication coach. Tell us a little bit about that. What, what do you call yourself and, and what do you do for people? Well, Greg, I'm, like I said, I'm excited to be here. And I, like I said, I'm an intrinsic communications coach for life and business and also a strategist. And, and the reason for that is because uh, I feel the most important thing related to the quality of life we have is our ability to connect at a deep level with people, whether it's our clients, whether it's our family, our children, uh, with ourselves even. And if we're not doing well in that area, everything else seems to fall flat. And we don't experience the joy in what we're doing. So I'm so engaged with this because of my life experiences that took me here. Oh, thank you. And we're going to dive into those, Doug. You've certainly had an impact uh, on my life. For our listeners, I met Doug last year uh, during the height or the beginning, actually, of the the COVID pandemic. 
And of course, our lives were all changing, weren't they, at, at that point yeah. in time. I had just transitioned into WebCheck Security full-time uh, from a part-time effort. WebCheck Security is a company that started in 2018, and we've had, fortunately, uh, some hockey stick growth, but particularly in April of this past year when I uh, made the jump uh, into being the full-time CEO of WebCheck Security. I met Doug on LinkedIn for our listeners here, and uh, we had a similar um, genealogy. <laughs> the Stoddard name is <laughs> is in my pioneer heritage, and I, I engaged with Doug, and we, we decided to have a call, uh, and, and Doug hooked me. Um, he did uh, a profile that, that I'm sure he'll be wanting to share with you, our listeners, and uh, it was phenomenal. It was all about sabotaging behaviors. Anyway, little did I know that um, literally my revenues would double and my effectiveness increase uh, tenfold, uh, due in large part to Doug's care and coaching. And I emphasize the word care. <laughs> he really cares about his clients. So part of the, today's message is, is that cyber leadership, and indeed any leadership, uh, whether you're a chief information security officer, whether you're a CEO, whether you're just a line manager uh, over a few workers that are performing a task, is that we can be so much more effective when we learn to get ourselves out of the way and out of mm -hmm. the equation and focus on others. A concept that I learned is called intrinsic validation. Well, anyway, Doug, enough about me. Let's talk about the premise of your coaching framework. Tell our listeners about it. You bet. So if your listeners will take themselves to when they're 80 or 85 years old, okay? Okay. And they're sitting on their porch and, and they're thinking back about their life and they're, they're focusing on this question. What was my crowning moment in my life? And there could be four or five of those, but what is that crowning moment? The one that just made my life worthwhile. Now, you think in that moment, they're going to be thinking, man, it was when I made that two, $200 million real estate deal. Or I bought 10,000 bitcoins. <laughs> or I was able to uh, secure this client. Do you think that would be their crowning moment? Probably not, Doug. <laughs> I'm guessing no. No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, it won't be. What their crowning moments will be or feeling like they didn't achieve their crowning moment, Greg, <clears throat> are their relationships. The relationships starting with themselves. I know a lot of people who are highly successful, but they don't like themselves. <laughs> <laughs> They, they have this self-talk going on. And the relationships we have with our spouse and our children and the relationships we have with our clients, it's how we lead people. And so what will determine whether or not you're sitting in that space at 80, 85 years old and you're feeling like you made a significant impact in the lives of people what really controls that is what I call the communication sweet spot. And let me explain what I mean by that. <clears throat> the communication sweet spot is how we communicate with ourselves about ourselves. You know, that self-talk. Interesting. As well as the communication we have with ourselves about other people. The second component to that is how we see ourselves 
And how do we see other people? What lens do we put on when we're looking at people? Are we looking at their behavior, their rotten attitude, what they did or didn't do? Are we list, are we have the lens on that we can't, our kids are just lazy, they aren't listening to us, they don't respect. What lens do we put on there? How do we see ourselves and people? Because really, how we see ourselves, Greg, is really reflects out to how people react to us. It's, it's really interesting how that works. That, and then the third part of it, yeah, it is. And it, it, once you really grasp these concepts and say, whoa, this is very different than what I was taught by my mom and dad <laughs> or, or at Harvard or anywhere else, you know, or anyway. So then the third component is actually how we communicate with people. How do we listen? And there's actually five steps to validate people to the level where they feel safe, understood, valued, and empowered. It's just not about listening. We hear a lot of talk out there and self-help books and programs that talk about you got to listen better, you got to ask questions, and that's very true. But man, if you've got all this noise and distractions going on inside of you, how in the world can you connect with the people on the outside of you? And so that's, I've been, it involves neuroscience. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and neural pathways. And, and, and this is what I've learned, Greg, is, is that all of us have huge potential. And, and much of it's untapped, which is exciting because it means we're not stuck in this place. We have unlimited, unlimited opportunity to become much more than we are. Okay. So we have this perception, this unlimited untapped potential, but the challenge is, is three things get in the way. Okay. Of going to the next level what I call infinite success living. Living in a space where you just have this, this um, vision of yourself that I'm infinite. I can accomplish anything. So here's the three things. The first one is sabotaging habits of thinking. Okay. And we'll go into that more a little bit later. But they're there. It's this self-talk that we hear. We think it's us, but it's not. And I'll, I'll describe a little bit about why it's not us. So sabotaging habits of thinking. The second one is false belief systems. How we, somebody told us something once, and you get into programming, right, with cybersecurity. There's some right. programming things you do to, to identify and pick up on this threat or that threat create protection, um, we all have been pre-programmed by somebody else that creates our belief systems. Oh, yeah. And you'll, many of them aren't true. You'll, rem you'll, re you'll remember, Doug, when, when you and I first started, one of my uh, constant comments to you was, Doug, I'm a bad listener. I suck at listening. And I want to be better. I want to be a better listener for my wife. Hearkening back to what you said earlier, it's so important. I, I mean... I want revenue and I want clients and I want to listen to those clients, but fundamentally it's hardest at home. Wouldn't you agree with that? <laughs> so, so you remember you were telling me, Greg, stop right there. 
uh, from now on, I want you to say, I'm becoming a, a, a better listener. I don't remember the exact words, but it, you, you helped me to change my thinking to, I, I'm an evolving listener. I'm a good listener. I have skills in that area. I'm getting so good at it, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a sabotage. That was a sabotaging behavior. <laughs> and a false belief about, we hear that all the time. You'll hear people say, I'm a procrastinator. Right. Or I'm always late or whatever. Or flip it around, Greg, and they say, they are always procrastinating. They are always late. They don't listen to me. <laughs> you know? So once right. again, it's, it's the belief system. Where did we pick all this stuff up? <laughs> because it's false identity. So the third part to this, we've talked about sabotaging habits of thinking. We've talked about false belief systems that have been programmed into our head and into our psyche and then the third one is <clears throat> traumatic experiences that haven't been resolved but have left what i call a wound in our heart and it's really interesting how those drive emotions those unhealed un those experiences that are traumatic, for example. Can I give you an example of that, Greg? You, you bet. And along with that, I was going to interject and ask, so even uh, child sexual abuse, traumatic experiences, you're saying, Doug, that there are ways to heal those wounds and to develop new behaviors and become a new person. Is, is, is that where you're going with this? Uh, absolutely, because I have, I've had traumatic life experiences. There's few people that haven't. Right. I don't care what level they are in the corporation or at home. They've had some type of traumatic experiences. And, and for me personally, Greg, on a personal note, I might, when I was eight years old, my dad was, he was the type of guy who went through the depression. His parents died at 40, left five kids that raised themselves, you know, just a real challenging time for them. So he was a guy that could always figure things out. Well, he, he uh, actually owned honeybees, <laughs> 1,500 hives of them, and he had two failure, crop failures in a row, maybe it was even three, and he had to keep the bees alive, so he borrowed large amounts of money to feed these bees two years in a row, and by that time, he was such, so much in debt, he couldn't figure out how to get out of it. He just could, all he could see is walls. Maybe some of our listeners here have felt like at times I'm in walls. I, I can't see a way out. I feel stuck. And uh, that's where my dad was. And he went into a severe depression. And from that point on, for a long time, my dad, he wasn't the same fun-loving, happy guy. <laughs> he hmm. was. Uh, he, and I remember going to my mom and, and just saying, Mom, and I was in tears as an eight-year-old. I said, where's my dad? He was in the home. But to my eight-year-old mind, He'd gone. My real dad had gone because of the depression he was dealing with. Wow. And uh, because of that, that, I, that was a traumatic wound to me. And you know what it did to me, Greg? What did it do? It drove anger. Interesting. It drove anger. I didn't know why, but I, I love playing basketball, but I was the worst sportsman on the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things didn't go my well, my way. I'd get angry, 
And that's how I dealt with it. I well, had no clue. Well, they talk about playing with a chip on your shoulder, but maybe that's not quite what they mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> I had sharp elbows. <laughs> anyway, once I learned how to find value in that experience, to see it through clear eyes, this communication sweet spot, and to really get a true perspective of what happened, because my dad was amazing. He was one of the most respected men I know at all levels, in spite of all this anxiety and depression that he had to deal with. My dad had deep integrity. I couldn't see that as an eight-year-old. Now I see it. And because I've healed that wound and I know where it's coming from, and this is what we coach people on and help them with one of the three areas. Um, I haven't had an issue with anger for probably three or four years now. It just doesn't blow up. Because what was triggering it, I found it and I released the pressure. And I'm okay with my dad and I'm okay with me. Did that answer that question? Yes. Well, well done. Well done. And what's, and what's the fifth element that you mentioned, Doug? Well, actually, it's those three elements. Oh, Sabotaging okay. habits of thinking, false belief systems, and traumatic life experiences that have not been healed. Fantastic. And so you help take people through the journey to recognizing those things, improving and developing completely new neural pathways, correct? Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to get into that right now? Yeah, let's do it. And, and let me make an observation, if I may, Doug. Is that all right? Okay. You know, you I, I, I've been around the block a few times in, in my career. We're both old dudes. Can I say that? <laughs> We've been around for a while. Love it. <laughs> and, and, and believe me, I've, I've worked with a lot of CEOs. I've been on a few executive teams. Um, and leaders are more effective when they have an emotional IQ and when their listening skills and capabilities are high and they care about their people. I mean, let's face it, a, a, an executive that doesn't care about his people, that comes through. And there's high turnover in that organization. You can see it. Um, the organization may perform for a time, but it doesn't create longevity in that organization. And again, I'm old enough to have seen that play out at least mm. uh, a dozen times uh, in, in my years since uh, graduating from college and, and even before. So... Yeah, let's continue. Let's let's talk about that some more and key breakthroughs that that these three principles have um, helped your clients with. So please continue and, and, and okay. share those experiences and takeaways. Yeah, let me share a couple of these with you. Um, for example, one one of these habits of thinking is, is perfection. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if you ever met people who are perfectionists, it's oh yes, it, yeah, and it, it it's it's kind of dominant when you get into executive level thinking. And let me explain what happens with that. But anyway, yeah. So perfection. So the question I asked this particular client was, <clears throat> who was it in your life that made you feel like you weren't worthwhile, or you couldn't measure up? And he just looked at me like that. He says, you can tell that by this tool you had me do that identified my habits of thinking. I said, yeah. So what's the question answer to that? And he says, this is amazing. He says, he said, my dad was um, a principal in a school system. I hated school. Hmm. 
I was I was one of those guys that were visionary, and I I I it was boring to me. I couldn't deal with it, and so my dad just reinforced with me I was a failure because I dropped out of school at 16. But here he is running a multi, a very very successful company with high growth levels, hockey stick growth <laughs> levels, and yet his self worth, that self talk was always condemning, always questioning his decisions, wondering whether or not he could even lead a company. Now here he is leading this company and has been for a number of years and he's having this self-talk going on. Some people would call that imposter syndrome. I I experience it myself sometimes, Doug. (laughs) (laughs) And I have too. Well, the interesting part is, is we can show people through this tool we have that he also had a need to be right. And he's very clear thinker. His ideas are right. He's right on. And that's the way it is with many executives. They're very clear thinkers. They're visionaries, many of them. And yet, if anyone was challenging his idea or belief system or anything like that, he would fight to the finish. He needed to be right. And it's because his idea is attached to his self-worth. You know the story of his dad? <laughs> You're never going to make it. You're not good enough. Those kinds of things. So he would fight to the finish on his ideas in his board meetings and with his, with his wife and children because it, he was trying to protect his self-worth. Interesting. And when we shared that with him, when I shared that with him and he said, oh, my goodness, because you have a choice to either be rich in relationships or crush people and be right. Which one do you want? You can't have both here. And when he recognized that everything shifted at home, things shifted in the boardroom. He started seeing people differently because he was seeing himself differently. So that's just one example of that. That's interesting, Doug. How many people are out there, do you think, that uh, tie their self-worth to whether or not they're right or the need to be right? I mean, how prolific is, is, this, is that behavior? You know, that's a great question um, because with this tool we have, um, we probably measured the, the neural pathways. That's what it does. Is it, It's 100% accurate in measuring neural pathways how the brain when the brain has repeated experiences it creates pathways in the brain and when something's triggered it dumps chemicals into this little canal and we start feeling emotions and we start then after about 90 seconds it turns to thoughts and so you ask that question, well, we've measured over 200,000 entrepreneurs, executives, influence, people who want to influence others. And it's probably, to answer your question, it's probably right around 80, 80 to 85% of them. Wow. At different levels. And my goodness, if you can just, if you're dealing with that, you need to be right or you know someone who needs to be right, that's what's going on. And it's well, biological. It's not who they are. It's biological. <laughs> well, that says a lot about people. And and I, and I can tell for our listeners, I took the profile that Doug is is referring to, and we we won't go into 
to all of that because there's some cool science behind it, axiological mathematics. It, it sounds impressive that I know that, right? But but I yeah. can't tell you what axiological mathematics is. There might be some uh, um, wonderful propeller heads on this call that can can, <laughs> t- can tell us, but I can tell you, Doug, that the profile was uh, was very accurate. And, and that uh, I found in my life there were sabotaging behaviors surrounding <clears throat> my ego, let's call it. And, uh, and, 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 and yet at the same time, uh, suggestions for how to behave more appropriately, how to bring down walls of resistance, um, and, and how to see people in a, in a different light. So I, I so appreciate that you've shared uh, that. Um, anyway, continue, Doug. We have a few more minutes here before uh, we go to commercial break. I want you to share with our listeners some other experiences that, that, that you've uh, been able to observe. Okay, here's... Greg, have you ever walked into your home and your mind is so preoccupied, it just doesn't shut down and it just goes and goes and goes oh, yes. and you walk into the home? You, that's happened to you? Oh, yes. Especially okay. when you own a business. I'm thinking partners. I'm thinking growth. I'm thinking uh, the projects that we're working on. Where are they at? Where's our invoicing? Where's our cash flow? There's there's a million things. And sometimes it, it's hard to shut it off. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that that's a trait of, once again, we've measured this, it's probably 85%, 90% of entrepreneurs, their mind doesn't shut down. <laughs> it's just always going. And, and that's cool because it means you have a great ability to, to visualize, to come up with ideas, those types of things. <clears throat> but when it comes to connecting with people, that overactive mind doesn't allow you to be present in the moment and to be able to see people clearly, to hear people clearly, to even hear yourself clearly, because there's such a loud band going on in your own head. They can't, you can't hear or see people clearly, let alone connect with them. So I remember one, one of my clients was talking about how we'd go home and all I could think about was what, what was at work. And that's where he was. And so everybody felt distanced from him. And so as we talked about how to bring your mind into the present, what habits of thinking are driving that? What belief systems about himself were creating this issue to need to obsessively think about other things rather than being present in the moment? by shifting just two things of how to show up differently at home. When he walked through that door, what was his belief system about himself when he walked through the door? What was his belief system about his wife and children as he walked through the door? And what did he leave at the door? And he said, as he started to do that, we actually have five steps to validate people at this deep level. And as he practiced those, he was sharing with tears in his eyes the shift that occurred in how his wife responded to him. It was was very different. She was shocked, (laughs) first of all, that he actually was engaged at a deeper level with what was important to her. Mm -hmm. 
Because, see, we all have walls around us. And we all have what's important to us. And unless you understand how to have the key that opens the door into their world, they've got to open the door for you. And unless you understand the process of how to do that, you're going to keep hitting what we call the walls or feeling rejection. And if you do this long enough over time with a spouse, it's, I'm just being blunt here because there are people hmm. that are there. They're, they're already in emotional divorce. Interesting. I, I'm sure our listeners, Doug, are saying, can, can you just give me a snippet? Share What are those five principles? <laughs> give, give me some insight. Of course, if you want more than that, you're going to have to work with Doug, folks. Uh, but uh, what, what, are, what are some of those key principles that, that could be a takeaway here? Well, the first one is to, to recognize you've got to be able to see what's important to people. And once again, we all know about distractions. We have distractions with social media. We have distractions with our phones. We have distractions with whatever it may be. We seem to be addicted to distractions. Our right. brain seems to focus right in on that. Oh, yeah, that looks good. And all of a sudden, just 10 minutes later. Okay. So these are distractions. <clears throat> and so until we can learn how to focus in on what's and see what's important to other people and acknowledge it, mm -hmm. we're just going to keep hitting their walls. Yeah, wait, 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 Doug. So you're saying that I can't be focused on my needs and, and what I need at the moment in order to see other people's needs? That's a rhetorical question. <laughs> <laughs> what did you experience when you tried it that way? Well, that's that's a good question. I, I found that, uh, and I'm not going to say I am fundamentally a selfish person because that's a sabotaging behavior and belief, uh, <laughs> but but I, I found, Doug, that I, I needed to come through the door. And again, we're talking about family relationships here. And it, if there's listeners here that are not married, I'm sure they've got uh, either children or uh, nieces and nephews or aunts and uncles, or there are relationships. And so these principles are 100% uh, applicable, but it is hardest to exercise these principles with those that are closest to us, right? So what I found was I had to put those distracting thoughts in the back burner and then observe. And, and, I'm, and I'm not perfect at this yet. I'm evolving, right? But mm -hmm. I'm not going to say I, I suck at listening or that I suck at observation, now I'm trying to do what you said, to show up differently. Different concept, right? I'm trying to uh, walk through the door and see if, uh, if my wife is, um, let me give you an example. She had a shingles uh, vaccine yesterday, and it was the second one. And it mm -hmm. was um, painful, and she was feeling draggy. And, and she, she wanted a pizza, a, a, a cheap cardboard pizza from the store, right? It was, I said, you know what, honey, I'll get that for you. Now, but there are, what, what's her body language like? Had I come through the door, Doug, thinking about, and this has happened in times past, um, growth and revenues and boy, my problems and, and, and Joe is such a dork and blah, blah, blah. I'm focused on me and my thoughts and my text messages or what have you, but not my spouse's needs. And so um, 
I was able to talk to her, understand what she needed, and say, you know what, let me run to the store and get that for you. Even though I had a headache and I'm tired. But I can tell you that the result <laughs> was so much better. We had great interaction last night. Uh, we, we watched a program together. We talked about uh, some, some things that we're doing. We talked about our children. Um, a much better result when I get myself on the way or put myself on the back burner, if that, if that makes sense. So you've got to clear the, you've, you, it's like having a snow plow in your life. <laughs> Yesterday it <laughs> snowed here pretty significantly, right? And you just can't go down the path until you get the blocks out of the way. And, and, and that's one of the things, Doug, that you, you've kind of helped me to be accountable to is, is uh, getting myself out of the way so that I can be more observant and be able to intrinsically validate others. Yeah. You've made an excellent point there, Greg, because these habits of thinking drive emotions. So you just can't go through the day. There's a time when I was in a job that I didn't like. I didn't want to be there. Maybe you've been there. No, been there, done that. I think everybody yeah. listening to this has had one job in their career, at least, that they didn't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's where I was at. And it was right at, in the beginning of this time when I was beginning to identify or, or connect in with the people, the coach I had that helped me break out of the challenges I was having. And But I was working full time and um, I didn't like it. And he asked me this simple question. He said, Doug, how in the world can you go through the day working your job, hating it, looking for what's wrong in it, and then come home and expect to show up in a great, loving, understanding way for your family? He said, it doesn't work that way. How? how, how that's unrealistic. That's insanity to think that way. And yet we do. And it, it just brought it, whoa, hit me right in the face. Wake up, Stoddard. <laughs> Take responsibility and quit going through life as a victim. Ah. Now, there's a whole book about that, isn't there? It's called oh. the, the Observer's Chair, which, which is yeah. something that you have uh, your, uh, your clients read during the coaching process. Doug, let's pause for a minute. We'll come back to that and more after this quick message from our sponsors. Are you in need of a better IT relationship? Concerned about your cybersecurity? Having spent 22 years perfecting the art of providing IT support as a service, Nexus IT consultants are truly the experts on providing the exceptional experience that you and your team deserve while entrusting a major part of your success to an outside source. Think of Nexus IT. To find out more, go to www.nexusitc.net, nexusitc.net, or call them at 435-659-2533. That's 435-659-2533. We're back with Doug Stoddard, executive coach, in discussing powerful concepts in leadership and personal success. Uh, Doug, let's continue that. I, I I want you to share your journey with our listeners. 
Uh, we've probably got about uh, seven minutes, eight minutes left in this podcast. But I, I, I think what we're getting to here is so important about um, bringing down walls of resistance by observing others and understanding others' needs. Let's continue that conversation. I think there's a lot more there that our listeners need to hear. Well, can I share just a bit about my journey, which may help them? Yes, please. Okay. I I was in sales for many years, and I, I had this identity about myself that I could take something from nothing and create it into something very successful, at least by my standards, okay? Awesome. Just like my dad, <laughs> I could... I could figure out anything. So we went into a, a home business personally, and we, we had small businesses, and, and we were very successful in it. The other thing that I had an identity about, about Greg, was we had six children, mm-hmm. um, all girls except for five boys, okay? <laughs> and so I'm not, I'm not an expert on girls, right? Okay. But anyway, Everybody told us that you are such great parents because you have great kids. You know, we kind of wrap our identities around kids and external things, which can cause us issues. Right. And they are good children. Now, two things happened that drove me into what I do. The first one was uh, with all the success I was having, I was the guy up on the stage directing, training, doing seminars wonderful, strong teams, all this kind of stuff. And uh, the ownership that we are working of the company I was working with, Mm -hmm. um, he was caught embezzling. Now, I don't know about you, but you ever, you ever been with people who don't have integrity? Well, yeah. (laughs) yeah. Well, all the lawsuits against him took his business down and it took ours too. Oh boy. And so here I was, making all this money before, all this success, all this recognition. And now, because of my mindset, I had to go back to a job I didn't like. I didn't want. And I was trying to look to the world, look like to the world, Greg, that I was a nine, you know, still the guy with all this success. But inside, I felt like a two. Mm. Now, people can have lots of success in areas and still feel like a two in their relationships or in their confidence to break through to the next level. I think most of us have an issue with feeling like a two Hmm. and still trying to look like a nine in some area of their life. The second thing that happened with that was uh, two of our children, these wonderful, great children, didn't want anything to do with us for nine years. We didn't know why. I was just angry and mad. Wow. Every conversation we had with them, in fact, I think there was about six or seven with our daughter during the nine-year period of time, maybe more, but not many. And it was all surface, awkward, didn't know what to say, how to say it, without all my emotions getting away, without trying to fix her. All this was happening. So I was bankrupt. I went. We went into bankruptcy. Oh, boy. So I was bankrupt financially and I was bankrupt emotionally and I was bankrupt in two of my relationships. <laughs> and so Trifecta. I, I had, yeah. I, I had this identity issue. I had habits of thinking issue. 
and I had traumatic life experience issues all hitting me at the same time, and it went on for the nine years. What's really interesting is during that time frame, Greg, I wasn't open to changing me. It had to be something else outside that had to change. I just wanted things to change. I wanted my circumstances to change. In reality, what has to change is we have to change on the inside. Mm. And yet, I had an opportunity to meet with the people who changed my life six months earlier, but I kept putting up the walls of resistance. And it took me six months, but when I finally let it down, all of a sudden, and I took this tool that you're talking about, discovering your habits, thinking, Yes. I said, oh, my goodness. They know so much about me, and I never met them. <laughs> and it's so accurate. And then they taught me how to live in this communication sweet spot. They taught me the five steps to connect with my daughter. <clears throat> and it occurred walking across the bridge in Washington, D.C. We were crossing the Potomac River. And there's a rare opportunity she is with us. And I applied these five steps of how to connect at a deep level. It was a changing moment in my relationship with my daughter. Wow. And now we have one of the most beautiful relationships from ashes to something very special. And it's not only happened with my daughter, Greg, it's happened with my wife going to a deeper level and my other children and my clients. And I, I got so engaged with the success I was having and the joy I was experiencing. I wanted to share it with others. So that's my story of being able to get to where I am today. Well, thank you for sharing that. It, what that says to me, Doug, is you come from an authentic place. You weren't walking across the Potomac saying, gee, how can I make money? <laughs> <laughs> you you were you were experiencing a reconnection with someone who was most precious to you in your entire life which was one of your daughters and by the way i tell i always tell my friends that uh, righteous guys get lots of daughters <laughs> i only had one so i'm only so righteous but now i'm getting a bunch of granddaughters which is exciting i guess maybe i've <laughs> repented and changed as i've grown older but uh, th that is so powerful doug um, we are uh, getting close to the end of this podcast, but may I share with our listeners something that uh, happened in my life recently um, that was uh, kind of a, a pivotal moment for me. Would that be all right? Sure, absolutely. Well, um, in working with you, Doug, as, as you know, we've gone through a lot of things. And in fact, at the end of this podcast, I'm going to uh, ask you to share with our listeners how they can get in touch with you, because the first step is taking that profile that you uh, have alluded to. It's it's so powerful. And in fact, when, I, when you first do it, uh, this is just an insight for our audience, you'll think, this is stupid. How, how do organizing these thoughts and observations, how can they possibly uh, give any insight into me and my behaviors? But oh boy. <laughs> uh, they'll just have to see for themselves. And I believe you provide that experience at no charge for, for the, to begin. And then they can decide for themselves whether or not right. they want to pursue a relationship. And, and even if they don't, uh, they're, they're well served. But, but Doug, uh, these concepts you've been talking about uh, have been very powerful for me. And I'm still evolving. I, I'm not there. 
and and which is one of the reasons why I called you up in one of our sessions one day and said, Doug, we need to continue. You know, I don't care what it costs. I've I've got to have accountability here. I need to make lasting change. Uh, this is not take a profile ha- a habit uh, profile and 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 suddenly you've arrived. Well, mm-hmm. do you remember, Doug, in one of our coaching sessions, I said, Doug, I realized that as I was reading about having to be the center of attention, which was one of the concepts that, that you'd assigned me to study, um, and one of the sabotaging behaviors, that mm-hmm. I realized that from a teenage, uh, my teenage years on, I felt the need to be the center of attention, and, and, and in fact, I, I, I was not a great athlete, but I played sports. I, I, I was able to sing, um, win uh, solo and ensemble superior ratings. I played the trombone in the jazz. I got the lead in the high school musicals. I was well-liked. I was the president of our religious uh, seminary institution uh, that uh, many high school kids attend. Uh, I was uh, an officer in different organizations. Um, you know, I, I'd been blessed. But I, I always felt like I had to flaunt that and be the center of attention, whether it was cracking jokes or uh, speaking up and, and acting and performing and just sometimes silliness. That, that's carried over, unfortunately, into my adult life. And after probably about eight months, Doug, of working with you, I realized one day that's no longer me. <laughs> that person is no longer me. I do not need to be the center of attention. And it was a liberating moment for me. It was liberating in that I'd thought back over the past several months and in working with you to internalize these principles of intrinsic validation that I could go to lunch with a client, for example, and make it more about them and have so much more come out of that experience than trying to share what it is we do and of course, eventually they ask about it, and there may or may not be a need, but it was more important to build relationships. Now, taking that into my home life, I had a conversation recently with one of my sons, and, and I just shared with him the journey I'd been on. And he laughed, and he said, Yeah, Dad, we as your children have kind of laughed at times because you don't listen very well, but I can see that you're... He made the comment to the effect that you're making a change. <laughs> which was very validating, but but I already knew that that was happening. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Doug, it's harder to show up and be present at home and with the relationships that matter most than it is at work, and and both are important. But as you said, I'm I'm not going to when I'm 80 years old look back and say, well, look at all the business success I had. I'm going to be thinking about my relationships. Do I have boys that still want to go hiking with me? If I can still hike at that age, <laughs> if I don't tear my quadricep like I did this Christmas, <laughs> um, I, am I am I going to have the relationship with my wife that that we're close, that we're friends? Um, those are the things that that are important, and I wanted to share that with our listeners because I've experienced that, and and I'm still struggling to get my ego and my head and my needs out of the way but when I do it's not about me anymore I'm not that guy and and it's been so transformational thank you for sharing that because what you're just describing is 
you're living more and more in the communication sweet spot. And you don't heal self-esteem by chasing things. You don't heal self-worth and find self-worth by chasing things. You find it by your ability to connect and serve other people. Doug, is that the one concept that you would want our listeners to internalize or phrase that again? Or for the listeners of this show, what would you like them to walk away with? What will help them the most? To recognize that your habits of thinking are not you. Your belief systems that aren't serving you are not you. Your traumatic life experiences even though they're very real, don't define you. That we have infinite worth as human beings. We have potential that's amazing. And there is a plan. There's a, there's a, a purpose that's wired into each one of us. That internally we're seeking to fulfill and complete. And in order to do that, it requires that we're able to connect with ourselves at a deep level where it requires, and this is my personal philosophy, it requires that we're able to connect in with God, that we're able to get the inspiration to help us along the way to fulfill our purpose. And to, by doing these kinds of things, then, then we find joy. So the, the concept is identify where it is that you're, you hear the sabotaging habits of thinking, limiting beliefs and traumatic life experiences so you can impact others, have greater influence and just find greater joy and purpose in what you do, whether it's business or home, community, church, wherever it may be. Wow. Infinite worth and infinite potential. What a great way to wrap up this podcast. Doug, how can our listeners get in touch with your company? Uh, Two ways. You can go to my website at Doug Stoddard. That's D-O-U-G-S-T-O-D-D-A-R-D.com. And there'll be a way to link or connect in with me there, as well as I'm going to throw it out here. My cell number, if you choose to do that, is 208-709-5561. 208-709-5561. Those are probably the best ways to connect with me at this point. Thank you, Doug. Thank you so much. This has been a phenomenal podcast today. And that's a wrap for Vistas today. Doug Stoddard, thank you so much for coming on our show. Much appreciated. Let's do it again sometime. Oh, yeah, it was a blast. And that's a wrap, folks, for Vistas. Join us each month as we talk about cybersecurity, leadership, and entrepreneurship. So big.